Let's jump into the Word today. We uh, here at Northwest, we, we love to just study God's Word, study the Bible. Making the Bible clear is one of our core values. And we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been marching through this letter here. And we are in chapter 14 today, the second half of the chapter. <clears throat> and getting us started, I want you to think of the idea of loud chaos. How many like loud chaos? Yeah, the middle schoolers raised their hand. How interesting. So, loud chaos. I have become more and more sensitive to loud as I've aged. I just, I don't know how many times I say in a day, that's an outside sound, right? Take that, that should happen, which I heard when I was a kid. But uh, this, a couple years ago, we did a birthday party for TT, and some of you boys were even there. He had, I don't know, six or eight boys over, and they came over and I think our first activity was sitting at our dining room table. We dumped out a bunch of random Legos. And they had a certain amount of time to build something, you know. And they began to shout at each other for the next two hours. Not in anger. They just were talking over the top. And I need this. And did you see that? And the more they realized they weren't being heard, the louder they got. And so Heather and I, I was almost like holding the walls. Like, I don't. I don't know how much I could take this. They're having a great time. I mean, the, nobody knows what anybody's saying. They're just shouting and yelling. And we're like, okay, how do we get them downstairs? How do we get a movie in? At least then they can all stare at something, you know. And that kind of quieted them down, but they didn't pay attention. It was just chaos and loud, just talking, nobody listening. Nobody seemed to be mad about it, but they were just loud chaos. And that's somewhat like what I'm imagining these church services began to become in Corinth. We've been looking at this letter in Corinth, and it's a church, and this whole letter, Paul's been addressing problems they're having, and they were having some real problems with their gatherings. We've looked at them over the weeks here, but this week we get to one where I think their church services began to be loud and chaotic. Nobody listening to anybody else, People talking over the top of one another, shouting at one another. And then we introduced this concept last week. There was a whole other thing going on where people were speaking in tongues, which in this context has been language unknown to anybody in the room, some kind of heavenly language. So nobody, not only did they not hear what each other was saying, they couldn't even know what it was. There was nobody to interpret these tongues. It was just sound and chaos. It's a little bit like if our church greeting time just continued the whole hour. Like we just talked and talked and talked and I'm trying to preach and you can't hear and you can't hear and I don't know what that one's saying and is that even English? And it was chaotic. And so this passage in the second part in particular, Paul's saying, we're going to gather, we're going to have some boundaries about this. We're going to have some ground rules. There's a way that you gather that is helpful and then there's a way that's loud chaos and nothing happens. So here's our uh, main point today respectful gatherings bless everyone. Respectful gatherings. So by respectful, we'll kind of play that out today. But it's, it's the ideas where you listen to one another. You take turns. What was that? Wasn't there a book years ago, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Wasn't well, that a book? Right? You take turns. You listen to one another. You're polite. You wash your hands, you know? It was like, yeah, that should happen at church, right? That should happen. We should be respectful. We should take turns. We should listen to one another. We should use our inside voices, not our outside voices. So a respectful gatherings bless everyone. Here's a subtitle. Those present 
and those to come, those present in the room and those to come, those who God's going to bring us. So that's our main point. I want to read the passage, and then we're going to break it down and look at those parts. So we're going to read this passage. I'm doing today 20 to 40. There's a part that we're going to hit in verses 34 to 35 that's going to be like a bomb just went off. But don't worry, I'm going to get to it. Okay? So when we get to 34 and 35, you're like, did it really say that? Did a bomb just go off? I will get to it towards the end. So hang in there. Okay, we ready? 30, chapter 14, verses 20 to 40. <clears throat> Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and an outsider, an unbeliever, enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If, therefore, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. All right, we'll come back. Or... Was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. All right, so let's... Get through this. We'll come back to the bomb section. And we're just preaching God's word. We're just taking it a chunk at a time. So it would be really convenient to skip over some parts, but we're not going to do that. Okay, so our point is respectful gatherings bless everyone, those present and those to come. So let's look at the first part, those to come. That's meaning people who are not yet part of the body, people who might visit a church gathering, people who are seeking, people you invite. This is having in view people who have come. So let me just, uh, let's look back through this first part, verses 20 to 25, is about blessing people to come. It's viewing 
visitors, maybe there's even someone in here today. It's your first time in our church service. And so this is talking to what we hope for you. So, so first thing, though, he's really getting after them. Verse 20, do not be children in your thinking. <laughs> Quit being a bunch of kids. It's not really a very kind comment by Paul. But what do kids do? What are kids usually thinking? It's really obvious this time of year. Me, 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 mine, 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 me, 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 right? <laughs> I know adults, we just hide it better and have better terms for it. But, uh, but brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Children are thinking about themselves and their needs first. We're having this conversation a lot at our house. Like, no, we're not buying things for ourselves. This is Christmas when we buy things for other people, right? We're having that. We're thinking about others. I think they're thinking about what do I'm going to do at church, and I'm going to come to church, and I have something to say, and I have a tongue, and I want to have this power, and me, me. He's like, no, no, we're not going to be kids that are only thinking of themselves. All right, we're going to think of others. So he says, be infants in evil, right? You want to be infant, you don't want to have awareness. He's like, that's fine. We want to, we want to be ignorant of evil, but in your thinking, be mature. And mature is going to look like considering other people, being respectful, honorable, So here he goes. He launches this thing. Verse 21, In the law it is written, By a people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues... And outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? Right? And so here we're talking, this idea of tongues is a language nobody's speaking, right? Or nobody knows. They're speaking. It just sounds like madness. I don't know what sounds are going on. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God. And declare God's really among you. So it's talking about the difference between a language being spoken, a sound that nobody knows, and someone walks in and goes, this place is crazy, right? This is a cult, this is insane. Or the word prophesy we meant was, was inspired speech, people speaking words in the language you understand from God, whether sharing his scripture, speaking truths about God. Now what I found interesting here is verse 22, is he said there, these are signs, right? Verse 22, Tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign, not for unbelievers, but for believers. It felt backwards to me. Does it feel like it's reversed? It seems backwards. It seems like, wait, how are, how are tongues assigned to unbelievers? They just left and thought you were crazy. Uh, and how is prophecy led to their, it feels reversed. It feels like, well, clearly an unbeliever came in, heard the word preached, was convicted. Wouldn't, it feels like he's saying it backwards. So the key here is understanding, what did it mean by sign? Right? He said these are signs. Usually we're thinking a sign means something positive. A sign can mean a positive thing or a negative thing, right? If you're driving along and a sign says the bridge is out, it's telling you, Turn around because there's no other bridge over there. It's the sign is telling you what's coming. The sign could also say free ice cream ahead. Well, you're going to get over there, right? The, the sign is just giving you an indication of something. It could be a negative something. It could be a positive something. So in this case, the key is understanding what is the sign mean? What's it pointing to? And in the first instance, the sign is actually a sign of God's judgment. And then the second instance 
it's a sign of God's salvation. So we've got to catch that. What is the sign? The sign uh, is God's judgment versus God's salvation. It revolved around verse 21, which is a quote. Verse 21 is a quote from Isaiah. All right, verse 21 said, In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. That's Isaiah 28, 11. So here's the sign. The sign of a strange tongue was meant God's, was judging them for not obeying. So the picture is God's nation, Israel. He's called them, he's been working with them, and they've stopped listening to God, and they've worshipped other gods, they're in rebellion. And he said, I'm going to send people to you who don't speak your language, have a foreign tongue. And when they get there, even these foreigners will testify to God, and you won't listen to them. That's a sign that you have gone so far from God that you can't understand his words, he doesn't make sense to you, you're in rebellion, you're in judgment, because you're not listening to God. That's the sign, right? That's what he said in Isaiah. Even then they won't listen to me. So he says, that's the, you'll know, the people of Israel would know, you're under God's judgment because you won't listen to me in the language you understand. You won't listen to me in a language you don't understand. It's a sign that people are in rebellion, disobedience against God. So that's, under, that's the sign. The sign of not understanding words from God is the sign that you're going to remain under judgment. You're in trouble. And that's what we see in verse 23. If the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and nobody knows what anybody is saying, it just sounds like a bunch of sounds, and an outsider, an unbeliever walks in, he will say, you're out of your minds. This place is insanity. And that's the same result. There's a bunch of words going on. You don't know what's being said, and somebody who doesn't know God, it will leave them not knowing God. It will leave them in disobedience. You need to hear the word. You need to know the truth about God to be responsive to God. If you come into a room and you don't know anything that they're saying, you leave not knowing what God wants for you. That's the sign. So the sign for unbelievers, you don't know what God's saying. It doesn't make any sense to you. And he's saying that's a bad thing. It wasn't a good thing when Israel wouldn't listen to God in their own language or in any other language. And he's saying, this is a bad thing to have your church be speaking a bunch of sounds that nobody understands, and it's a sign that people are going to come to your gathering and leave remaining unforgiven, unaware of the message of Jesus, unaware of what they need to do. That's a bad sign. So that's what he's meaning. This is a sign for unbelievers that they don't understand God. He's saying, I don't want that sign. That's what Paul's saying. That's not okay. That's why we go to the second one, this idea with prophesy or inspired speech, foretelling, the word of God being spoken. But if all are speaking God's word and an unbeliever comes in, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God's really among you. Wow. He's saying that is the sign for believers that God is working among you. So one was a sign you don't understand God because you can't understand the words. The other is a sign God's at work. I've seen this in other places, and I've seen this in this room. I've still never forgotten maybe the most dramatic salvation story when I was at camp, and my friend uh, Jason was with us. He was so overcome by his need to repent, he couldn't move. 
He had to be carried forward. His body was overcome with his need for Jesus. I've just, that vision is burned into my head from a, as a kid. He was in the room. He was convicted. He had to be helped forward. I've been here when we've just ended a service and people felt they got to come up here and they got to pray. Something happened in the room and they said, I got to get up there. We've done it in the room here. We say, we need people. If anybody wants to respond to Jesus, you're going to come up here and you're going to change your clothes and get baptized. We've seen it in this building. Some of you, any of you respond in here to a spontaneous baptism call? There we go. There we go. Several of them. God was moving in the room. And that is a sign to all of us sitting here. Yep, God's still at work. The Holy Spirit's working. The Holy Scriptures are working. God's Word, God's Spirit, spoken in an intelligible way, is powerful. That's a sign to us. God's at work. And so Paul's saying, yeah, hey, do that, right? When you have a respectful gatherings in a language that people can understand, it's a blessing to those to come. We're anticipating people entering this room week by week and entering other gatherings we might have, hearing God's word, and the word by the Spirit just goes, I needed to hear that. That was for me. I understand. I'm coming. You see, that's what I wanted to have happen. If there's all kinds of crazy going on, that leaves people without the ability to respond to God. So that's why we want a respectful gathering in a language people can understand, at a volume that people can understand, in an order that people can understand. Right? That's, that just, you see, you go, isn't that obvious? Well, it isn't always. It isn't always. So that's the first one. Respectful gatherings, bless those to come. We want to keep that in mind. Second part, respectful gatherings, bless those present, the people already here, the believers, the people gathering. So let's look at that in verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. First thing, we've got to remember, they're not in a room like this. You, you really need to think home Bible study, small group gathering, house church. Okay, they're, at this time, there's not church buildings, there's not formal gatherings and rows and... It's a whole, so you need to put in your mind a Bible study, a smaller group. That's what's happening. And people are coming ready to participate, right? You have a song. You have a scripture. You have something God did in your life. And in this context, a tongue or interpretation. So this, we have a, this format's a little bit like what we do Tuesday night at our prayer night. We pray, and at different moments, people read out a scripture. They'll tell what God's been doing in their life. Maybe if you've been in a Bible study, people come, this is what I learned from the study. It's probably a little more like that than um, like this room right now, that, this context. But the idea is people are coming ready to share, and the point is let all things be done for building up. We've seen that a lot. Your goal in coming with the word, with something to share, is that it helps the other person. I think they were coming going, I want to show off what I know. I want to have the spiritual power that I'm speaking a language that nobody knows. He's like, no, that's, that's childish thinking. That's me, 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 me. He says, I want you to think about the person next to you. I want you to think that you might be sharing something that, that God has for another person. Okay. So, now he puts some boundaries. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three. And each in turn, let someone interpret. 
But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So you get the sense they're just going all over the place. And he's like, no, boop, time out. Two or three must be an interpretation. This is not something traditionally done in, in our flavor of Baptist churches. Um, I've, I've only experienced it one time where I've been in a gathering and someone spoke in a tongue and I just thought I couldn't hear him. I was like, I don't know what that guy said. Did you? I, don't know. I, just said, you know, I just thought I was too far away. But the leader up front said, we need an interpretation. And some other person gave it. And it was really basic. It was like, God wants you to think this today. I was like, oh, okay. And we moved on. So we'll see this at the end. Paul says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So if the Holy Spirit does that, we don't forbid it. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable saying he can't do that. It has not been my experience very much. Some churches is a very key part of their experience. Some go way too far with it, which is why we need to read passages. I don't totally know. Why does the Holy Spirit what he do, does what he does? I don't know. But in terms of us leading a gathering, if all of a sudden eight of you stood up and started making noise and sounds, you have to say, whoop, time out. Two or three of the most, someone's got to interpret or else this is not going to work. Okay? So that's the boundary he puts on tongues. Then he says, same with prophets. Let two or three prophets speak. This would be, again, you've got to think more of a Bible study setting where multiple people are coming, thinking the Lord wants me to share this from his word. Let the others weigh what is said. And like, oh, yeah, that lines up. Or, yeah, I don't think so. Let's look at this passage. You know, there's some give and take. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. The idea that you, someone speaks back to you, it's not going to turn into a big fight. Have you ever been in any Bible study fights? I've had some really bad names called to me at Bible study before. You remember that, Eric? Yeah, Eric remembers. It wasn't Eric, though, by the way. It was some other. But it's pretty funny when your Bible study ends up you being called a horrible name. Like, wow, somewhere we got off the rails here. But uh, anyways, the idea, there's got to be a respectful communication, right? Listen to each other. Listen to the word. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You weigh it out. You consider it. Is that really what God said? How did you read that? How did you hear that? It's the idea that people are participating, right? Versus talking over the top of each other. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. It needs to work. I'll just show you scripture over here in 1 John 4. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So here we're talking about spirits. We're not talking about some ghost flying in the room. You're talking about the spirit someone has and the thing they're sharing. False prophets. We're talking about people here. He says, test these. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So there's Jesus coming in the flesh, what we're celebrating at Christmas, is key. And you think, does this really happen? Yes. Again, at Bible study, I remember a guy coming in, and he started saying some other weird stuff about salvation, and couldn't it be this other thing? And we're like, no. No, it can't be that because, and it was, it was a spirit of Antichrist. And that person didn't come anymore. And I had my tough Ryan voice that comes out in certain moments. I'm like, no, that's not salvation by Christ. So there's this moment when you're studying the word, if someone starts voicing something, like that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. 
And this is where a lot of cult stuff is born. They start messing with Jesus coming in the flesh, start messing with the Trinity. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's not what this says. We need to test that. We need to be aware. We need to be look in the scripture. So all this to say that the respectful gatherings bless those present. That people are taking turns. People are speaking in a language that makes sense. That it's interpreted clearly. That if some people have some things from the word, that it's shared and weighed and considered and we listen to one another. Like this, again, you're like, isn't this obvious? But sometimes it gets out of hand. Sometimes things can go sideways. But we're just... We're just hoping in every gathering we have that we will come with this mindset. I'm going to take turns. It's going to be based on the scripture. It needs to encourage the other person, not show how much I know. Right? That's the point. Because we want to bless everyone. We want to know that when I've gathered, I've encouraged the person next to me. I've encouraged the person who's come. So, here we go. Are we ready for the bomb? Okay, what is this whole piece about women? Like we're rolling along here, tongues, prophecy, and then bang, right? Here we go. As in all the churches, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. You're just going, wait, what? Where did this come from? So first thing we need to figure out is, it feels like Paul is contradicting himself. It feels like, wait, he, isn't he just undoing what he said? If you were here with us a few weeks ago, we were in chapter 11, and chapter 11 said this. Chapter 11, 4 and 5 said, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife or woman, we discussed that, it means woman, who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. And this earlier chapter, that was a, if you want to go back and, well, what was that talking about? You can go back online and listen to that on chapter 11. But he's picturing a scene where women are praying and prophesying. You can pray in your mind, but the prophesying, you have to speak it out. So there's this idea like, wait, three chapters ago he says, I'm envisioning a scene where women are praying and prophesying, but we need to deal with this head covering thing. And now we jump over here, he's like, nope, silent, no talking. Like, what? Well, did he go crazy? Did he forget what he said? What's going on here? We need the context, right? You need to know. If you just pulled verses 34 and 35 out and set them on a table, that's what, it's like a bomb goes off. Especially today, you're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Why would we even say this? Why do you want to empty this church in a minute? What are we doing here? So the context is super important. We have to understand that, those two verses in this passage, in this passage. So what's happening in this passage? Verse 33 to me is the key. God is not a God of confusion. That word is the word for a riot or a rebellion. Riots are loud, crazy. I've not really been a part of one, but... um, what was that one years and years ago? There was one in Seattle. We were holding some national event, and it turned into a riot. And there were some high school kids like, we went down to it. I was like, do you know what they were protesting? No, but it was awesome, and we were running around, and we were yelling. And I was like, I think you're missing the point. But um, 
They're loud, they're confusing, there's people shouting, half the people don't know why they're riding, it just looked entertaining. Um, That's the scene. God is not a God of riots and rebellion and and insanity, and that's what their church services must have been like, right? We're just reading back through the text here. People talking over one another, in words nobody knows what's happening, nobody's waiting any turns. So when we look at this passage in context, it's not just pulling something out. It's talking about a scene where there's loud, confusing, disruptive activity going on. And so then look at the words, and there's verse 34, the women should keep silent. They're not permitted to speak. The word for speak is the word for talk. It's not the word for prophesy. It's not the word for sharing the gospel. It's the word for talking. And so I'm looking at this scene. I go, okay, here's what we got. We've got the tongues people going nuts. Nobody's listening to anybody or interpreting. Then it seems we've got prophets going too many. Seems like they're fighting with each other because he had to say, you need to be quiet and listen. And then here's in this, in a church scene like this, the men and women often didn't sit together. So I'm thinking this is a scene. This is me putting it back together. Language going crazy over here. People talking over and, and the ladies are on the side going, you know what, let's, let's just catch up. I don't know what those guys are doing. We're going to talk. So there's talking. They're talking. They're not listening because you can't listen because it's chaotic. So I haven't seen you. How's your week? So we've got ladies over here talking. We've got tongues going nuts. We've got prophets talking over each other. And, um, and then there's also a possibility here in verse 35. It says, if they desire to learn anything, ask their husbands. So it it's, can't even be talking to all women because if there's an unmarried woman, they can't. So I think there's even a sense where they're challenging the prophecy spoken. Well, what did you mean by that? Well, what about that? So we've got a lot of questions going on. And they say, just, just, you can't ask that many questions in a row, right? You've got to stop this. Ask them at home. So that's the, that's the context I think is going on. It's not in pull out of context, women never talk at church. That doesn't make sense with what he said earlier. It doesn't make sense in all the parts in the letters where he talks about the women who have churches in their house. Hey, come on into my church. I won't be talking for the next two hours, right? It just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not coherent. But in this context, he's saying in all the mess of people speaking tongues, prophets speaking over the other, ladies just talking and, not, and then maybe asking questions of the husbands prophesying, we can't do that. It's got to stop. And I want you to also notice the context. They all had to be silent. Did you catch that? Not just the ladies. Right? Did you catch that in verse 28? If there's no one to interpret, keep silent. Right? So if, you're, if someone is speaking in a tongue and no one's there to interpret, be silent. So the tongues people had to be silent. The prophets, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. Listen to it. Soak it in. So I think you've got to see he's saying the same thing to everyone. If there's no one to interpret, sit there quiet. If a prophecy is made, sit there and listen to it. He also tells the prophets to submit to one another. You see that in verse 32? The spirit of the prophets are subject. Is the same word, submit to the prophets. I need to listen to that. So I think in the context, he's putting the whole thing together in regards to this needs to be a respectful gathering. We're going to speak a language people understand, one at a time. We're not going to have side conversations. We're not going to be over-questioning. If you have more to do, do that at home. That's the context. 
if you take that out of context, we've just got a, a disaster. Paul's incoherent. The New Testament doesn't line up. That's not what's going on here. In this specific context, he's saying we can't have just talking over here, not paying attention. Isn't that distracting? Have you ever tried to learn and six people are having a conversation over here and you're like, I can't, I can't hear what's saying. Stop. That's the scene. So, and he finally says this, the women should be in submission as the law says. You're like, well, what? There's not a verse in the law that says, ladies can't talk in the gathering. Like that, you're not going to find that verse. So what are, we, what are we appealing to here? What does the law say? When they came to Jesus in Matthew 22, they asked him, what is the great commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? What does he say? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. This whole context, nobody's caring about one another. Nobody's concerned about the person sitting next to him. He's saying the law says we want to love God and we want to love the people next to us. So when we gather, we're going to prioritize order, respect, listening, being quiet when we need to be quiet. That's, that's what's happening in this passage. And that's kind of where he ends it there in verse 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Right? So he's saying desire to have God's word spoke through you. We don't forbid it. If the Spirit moves somebody to speak in a tongue and interpret, then that's what the Spirit does. But all things should be done decently and in order. And that's where we get this point. Respectful gatherings bless those present. So in every gathering we come to, whether it's the big Sunday gathering, a small group gathering, a Bible study, a prayer, this is what's on our mind. Order, taking turns, listening, submitting to the word, respecting the person speaking. And they bless, like we said, those present and those to come. That's what he's getting at. That's what a church service should be like. That's what a Bible study should be like. So... It's a little bit hard for us to put ourselves in this context because you're like, we've been sitting here quiet for a half hour, right? <laughs> so that's why I said think smaller group setting more like where more people are talking. But there are some take-homes for us. Right? This might not be our context, but there's certainly some lessons for us. And I want to encourage us with several things for us to take home. First is <clears throat> come ready to participate. Right? He's envisioning people that we're too ready, right? I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to go. But I wonder if we can come passive. I'm just going to come sit in the room. Some songs are going to go, and he's going to blab about something in the Bible, and then we get to go eat lunch, right? But what if we have a mindset, I'm coming ready for God to use me to encourage somebody. All of our time here is part of it. The time in the parking lot, the time in the lobby, the time between things, you could even have a little rhythm when you're driving. Lord, is there someone I need to reach out to when I get there? Is there someone I need to pray for when I get there? Maybe somebody shared something with you last week. Hey, I'm having this happen, and you're going to seek them out. I prayed for it. How did the interview go? Right? They were coming too excited to share. I worry that in our westernized churches, we come too passive. 
So I'm not ready for like eight people to come push me down and take the mic. But we are even trying, how do we involve, we involved one of our elders today. How do we share that? But also just think, how can I come ready to participate? Ready to share a word with someone. Ready to encourage someone. Ready to meet someone. That I'm coming to be active in this. And this is something Pastor Mark says all the time. Your participation impacts others. Something happens when you're powerfully, joyfully making a noise to the Lord. Whatever key you find, whatever rhythm you clap in, we don't, that's, that's secondary. It impacts the person next to you. They're like, wow, these people really believe this Jesus stuff. These people earnestly are impacted by Jesus' death on the cross. It impacts you. You go, oh. It, it convicts someone new, but it could remind you you're having a down week, a bad week, things feel, and you're oh, that's right. And as you hear people sing next to you and participate in the table, and as you talk to one another, it impacts our faith. We are affected by one another. And so I want to just challenge us as we gather to think about how my participation impacts everyone in the room, whether I know them or don't, whether they've been here or not. And we just want to go all in celebrating Jesus and blessing the people around us. It's really this idea, I think his whole lesson was to prioritize one another. It's the mindset, mindset, what am I going to do? What am I going to get? We say, what am I going to give? Who could I encourage? Who could I bless? And when that starts to become our mindset, boy, we wind up all benefiting. And and I do see this. This, This isn't me banging on you. This is us saying, how do we apply this? I see us caring for one another and, and checking up on people and offering people to pray for them and sharing a note of Scripture. I also think another application for us is this really, you really have to engage in a group to apply more of this, whatever the group is. If it's a smaller group Bible study, that's when you really get a chance to share, to open the Word, to ask questions. Tuesday night prayer. 9 a.m. adult class, midweek Bible study. I, enc- I encourage everyone uh, watching online, uh, find a phone call or a Zoom, create a Zoom group where you can begin to dialogue about these things and say, oh, we heard this. We need, you need to engage with other people to really grow and, and exercise some of the things we read. That you're with four or five people and two or three have a scripture to share and someone comes ready to pray and someone says, hey, God put this on my heart to share with you today. In this big setting, it's hard to do. So I just encourage you, invite you to engage in a group of some kind, whether it's one we have going, whether it's one you're going to make up. You're like, I'm going to get three people, and Tuesday morning we're going to Zoom and and read the Scripture and pray together, or we're going to meet at Starbucks, or we're going to do it over the phone. But we grow and impact each other when we're in a smaller setting, when we're in a smaller setting. So I just encourage you to be a part of some kind of a group both all of us here and at home. And then uh, the final take-home I, takeaway I have, I'm just envisioning that God is working like this this Christmas season. I'm, I'm envisioning that, that he is going to send people. You know, I, I don't know that it exactly works like this, but God has people he's drawing right now. And he's like, where can I send these precious souls that I'm drawing to myself I want to send them to a place where they're going to be loved, embraced, cared for. It's not going to be chaotic and insanity when they get in the room. I don't want to crush these people I'm drawing. 
And I just, I'm just praying that the Lord would say, I'm going to send some folks to Northwest. I'm gonna, they're going to sing for Jesus. They're going to have an amazing Christmas kids program next week. That's always one of my favorites. Um, the story of Jesus is going to be told at Christmas. I'm going to send them there. And so I just, I want you to come these next weeks anticipating that how you worship and how you dialogue is going to impact some people who have never been here before in the next few weeks and for sure Christmas Eve. And it's got an opportunity for the Spirit of God to convict them. And we'll all have been a part of that. I'm just saying, God, send us some people. Send us people you're reaching. We want to take care of them. And then we're all part of that. That He's going to draw people in. He's going to work in our lives. He's going to work in their lives this Christmas season. And we get to be a part of it. That's very, it's just honoring. It's honoring that he would send us precious souls that we can love. Where are we at? So, let me wrap it up. Respectful gatherings, bless everyone, those present and those to come, because the whole thing is that Jesus came for us in a language we could understand, right? Human, baby, suffering died for our sins. He comes to us in a way we can understand him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church family. Thank you that as we gather, we have an opportunity to impact each other. Or let us have an increase.